Welcome to the November episode of International Voices. I am your host and moderator, Udo Fluck, and I have the honor to oversee the Office of Global and Cultural Affairs in Arts Missoula. This is the 10th podcast this year. We started in February. To listen to the nine previous episodes, please visit artsmissoula.org, click on Global and Cultural Affairs, and visit Radio and Podcasts. International Voices is a monthly podcast brought to you by Global and Cultural Affairs of Arts Missoula and The Trail 1033. My International Voices guest in this November episode is Brigitta Miranda Freer, the Executive Director of the Montana World Trade Center and the Director of Operations for the Montana Technology Enterprise Center, or short MONTEC, a technology incubator. Prior to her current roles, Brigitta served as Director of Business Development for Missoula's Economic Partnership and membership manager for the Montana World Trade Center. Brigitta holds undergraduate degrees in international affairs and Spanish Latin American area studies from the American University in Washington, DC, and an MBA from the University of Montana. And it is a pleasure to visit with her today. Welcome, Brigitta. Brigitta, when did you start as the executive director of the Montana World Trade Center? Gosh, I think it was 2014-ish. You know, Udo, we're, we're recording this in the middle of a pandemic, and I tell you that time seems very fluid right now. So I think it's been a number of years, believe it or not. What is the mission of the Montana World Trade Center? Yeah, our, our mission centers firmly on international trade capacity building. So, you know, we've been around for over 25 years now. So not right. only do we have, you know, do we serve as Montana's institutional authority on international trade, but we also know how to positively impact that really on a grassroots level. Um, and our, our work falls into three main buckets. You might want to ask me about that. I don't know. Is that coming up? It is. As a matter of fact, I have okay. the I have the bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, well, this may be different than other bucket lists, but in, in terms of our work that we undertake at the Trade Center, it falls into three main buckets. Uh, first, one-on-one -on -one technical assistance that we provide to businesses in relation to their international trade endeavors, whether that's import, export, etc. Right. Um, so second bucket is ongoing international trade education. So helping businesses to understand the very basics uh, into some more technical kinds of education, such as, you know, how do you handle exports if you've got a product that is subject to export licensing? Um, you know, that could be anything from software to more fun things like beer or, or right. uh, some of our craft brews in state. Sure. So, and then that, that third bucket um, is really an all-encompassing one that has to do with the strategic initiatives that we create and then execute that are designed to move the needle uh, in the right direction for Montana's international trade portfolio. So um, we may talk a little bit more about those, but just as an example, we do trade missions at the Montana World Trade Center where we're taking groups of businesses, well, in pre-pandemic time, so right. <laughs> we'll talk about how that's playing out, where we take groups of businesses overseas um, to establish some key relationships with international distributors that we hope will help them uh, expand their operations internationally. Right. Um, you know, we undertake strategic initiatives such as uh, our the foreign direct investment initiative for the state of Montana. So, right. you know, what is Montana's business case, well, industry specific business case to attract foreign direct investment? Um, so we, we've actually done quite a bit of work on that over the last couple of years and we'll continue on that 
Um, I'm happy to get into the weeds on that if you'd like, but you may have some other questions for me. Sure. No, this is great, I think, as as an overall mission and the services that you provide. But um, I'm sure there are lots of of uh, small and medium-sized businesses, and, and some of them, some business owners might even listen to this podcast. How do you specifically assist those small and medium-sized businesses across Montana? Yeah, thanks for the question. So, you know, the businesses that we work with are predominantly SMEs or small and medium-sized enterprises because that's what exists in Montana. Right. And Udo, you and I know this because we're in state here, but, you know, there may be only a handful of businesses in this state that actually are large enough to have dedicated international departments. So by and large, these SMEs are trying to figure out um, international market opportunities with the staff that they have, right? So we act as an on-call extension to sales and marketing teams or business development teams for SMEs across Montana and various industries. Um, And then sometimes those clients know exactly where in the world they want to go with their product or service. And it's just a matter of having some on-call Uh, technical assistance or on-call project management assistance to help track down the right information so that they can make an informed decision. Like, what's the regulatory landscape look like in country? Um, What trade shows are coming up that I should be aware of? Who are some, you know, decent looking importer and distributor candidates, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So it's just a matter of providing that information to them and then they take it and they move on it. Sometimes the businesses that we work with, you know, have no idea where in the world they should go with their product or service first. And they may just be beginning to think about that. So one thing that we do often is uh, put together an export market ranking matrix for companies like that, that really just helps them put some numbers and some more quantifiable data to that decision-making process. So, um, you know, I'm actually just teaching, a, finishing up a fall practicum at the University of Montana uh, on international business for SMEs, basically. This is the World Trade Center practicum. Right. I just was working with our students on doing uh, an export market ranking matrix for a firm that uh, is a local Montana manufacturer. Um, They pivoted with the advent of the pandemic to making PPE, so personal protective equipment, and we were helping them figure out market opportunity for that type of product outside of the United States based on uh, various criteria that we kind of set at the start in conjunction with the business. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's... Think of us as that on-call extension of your your sales and marketing or business development team that's dedicated specifically to international matters. Great. No, I think that gives people a pretty good idea on on what it is that that you provide from basically the beginning stages or the earliest stages of planning all the way uh, through this entire process. Sure. Now, um, you just mentioned that you are teaching a class at the University of Montana. Your office is also located um, on the University of Montana campus. What is the connection between the Montana World Trade Center and the University of Montana? And and what are some of the advantages uh, to being housed on the campus? Well, So the Montana World Trade Center is actually a a World Trade Center, like 300 plus around the globe. There are, I think there are 320 World Trade Centers in 100 countries around the globe. Right. So this is an organization that's headquartered out of New York. um, And this particular World Trade Center, the license for it is owned by the University of Montana. Ah, okay. So that's how we, and in that's how we came to be affiliated with the University of Montana. And and as I said a little bit earlier on, that was uh, over 25 years ago. Right. And so that's, that's the connection and, you know, advantages of being housed on campus. Well, absolutely. You know, let's see if I can prioritize these. I don't know, but I'll, I'll tell you as they come to mind for me right now. Um, First of all, of course, the University of Montana provides just a mighty platform. Um, 
for this World Trade Center to be impactful in our endeavors, which um, are often often kind of boil down to economic development kind of undertakings. Um, I don't think people realize outside of the uh, economic impact of football games and, and thankfully research at the University of Montana is finally getting uh, due credit, but there is an amazing impact that organizations like the Montana World Trade Center and some of my other collegial organizations at UM have. Um, you know, I the Montana World Trade Center is part, uh, at the University of Montana, is part of this continuum of organizations that are all designed to um, support entrepreneurs and businesses across the state. So just to give you a little bit more feedback on that, I mean, we've got everything from uh, Launchpad, which is, uh, you know, encourages startup ideation, University of Montana also houses the Small Business Development Center for our community. Uh, you know, that helps businesses, small businesses of all kinds to either establish operations, grow operations, figure out how to pivot operations in the middle of a pandemic. Um, the Procurement and Technical Assistance Center is housed at the University of Montana. Um, you know, as I said, Montana World Trade Center is a part of this continuum too, with our focus being typically on later stage uh, companies, well, not brand new baby startups. Right, right. <laughs> Helping them uh, find markets outside the US. Right. And, uh, so, I mean, it's, I love being a part of that continuum of support and I think it makes a lot of sense, um, you know, that sure. the university is, is, puts a lot of funding behind this effort and, um, right. you know, I, I appreciate that and I think, uh, the clients that we all collectively serve definitely appreciate having those resources available. And I would think that in addition to um, being physically located on campus and having the support um, of the university, it's also of an advantage to students if Absolutely. they would like yeah. to sort of learn more, find out more about uh, international trade and the work that you do, do you, do you offer internships to students? I do, and thank you for saying that. I actually wrote it down and then I failed to mention it in my, uh, my comments there. It's not only do we work with uh, Montana World, I'm sorry, with the University of Montana right. students every semester, um, in a typical year at any point in time, I'd say we have four to six kind of high-powered interns that are working with us at the Montana World Trade Center. So there are various roles that they fulfill. Um, they help us with research for companies. There is a, <laughs> a vast amount of information that's available out there. Um, certainly sure. no one could dispute that. But what becomes a challenge now uh, is, is parsing that information and, and you know, going to trusted sources to pull together information that you're comfortable with, that you feel adds value for your client and can help them make an informed decision. So we, we teach uh, students uh, how to do that in a manner that is uh, effective, you know, um, because you can spend many, many hours going down many, many rabbit holes. So sure. We, we um, yeah, actually part of this practicum that I teach and, and just anytime we've got researchers coming on board, I help them to understand those uh, places that we go all the time for information and what constitutes pieces of information of most value to um, our clients. And also UDO, uh, we work with interns uh, to help us with things like uh, pulling together our many, many events throughout the year. We've got Right. You know, trade education events. We often are doing events in conjunction with inbound councils general. Um, you know, maybe we'll even talk about that a little bit later. But if, just to kind of wrap up this thought, on our, our Montana World Trade Center website, which is mwtc.org, we actually have a little section there on um, internships. So there's some videos that I've put together about what it means to be an intern and actually some interviews with some of our 
former interns, which not only come from Montana and the um, and in-state here and in the United from the United States, but we have a number of interns that have worked at the Trade Center over the years that are international students, and we love that. We love the perspective sure. that they bring on uh, you know from their home country particularly when we're undertaking research uh, activities on behalf of clients. And we just love the opportunity that it presents for, you know, students maybe that ne have never left Montana and gee, Udo right now in, in navigating this pandemic, maybe we can't leave <laughs> this year. So um, this is, you know, an opportunity to have some engagement with folks from another part of the world that I right. think is so mutually beneficial and really enriches not only the experience for the students, but the the work product that we provide to our clients. Right. No, and I, I'm glad you're saying that because I think it's of such high value for students that are interested in pursuing a career in international business or in international management or whatever it may be to have this opportunity to not only learn about these things in a theoretical classroom setting in a lecture where somebody talks about it and tells people this is what it would be like, but for students to actually be able to, you know, with yeah. their feet to actually yeah. go into this and to um, be involved in a project or uh, help create something that that aids your office in doing its job, and then also learn about the obstacles, the challenges that are there, so that students understand that this is something that they would deal with or would have to deal with if they were going in that field. So really this practical experience, I think uh, that's a really neat thing that your office offers that in addition to the services that you are offering to uh, small and medium-sized businesses across Montana. Right. Um, and I, th I think you have a, a fair amount of students in your audience. So just to, to, to clarify, there are ongoing internship opportunities on many fronts at the Trade Center, whether it's research or helping with our events and being a part of that and getting to do some networking there. And this kind of separate thing, but it, it kind of uh, underpins what we do at the Trade Center, this practicum that I developed and teach every fall actually gives students the opportunity to work on projects for businesses specifically, you know, um, actual work product for businesses. And Udo, we do cover a number of different topics that it's sort of my... Uh, well, I, this is how I categorize it as everything I wish I knew when I started my career in international <laughs> business um, and, uh, and, and maybe didn't. So sure. I mean, we, cover, we cover the basics from the perspective of a, a small business trying to do business internationally, right? I think a lot of our right. textbooks really focus on the large multinationals and how they do it. And I'm not discounting that. That's, you know, a very important part um, of our economy. Uh, however, small businesses need to know how to do this too. Um, and they need to know how to do it in a manner that's going to add to their bottom line rather than inadvertently, you know, negatively <laughs> impact that bottom line. So we, we cover things like, you know, how do you actually establish viable long-term relationships with distributors? Hey, how right. do you how do you mitigate your payment risk? How do you get paid? Right. You know, what do you do if you hear this from your distributor? So sure, I actually uh, yeah, I'll probably be talking too much about this class, but I love it because it's based on entirely on real-world experience. No, no, and I really appreciate that because you are right. Um, we do have quite a few. Uh, uh, students that are uh, connecting to international voices on a regular basis. So those might be students that, that because of their interest in listening to an internationally themed podcast, might also be interested in learning more about an internship, or they know other students, friends of theirs that are interested in that kind of thing and that have done a study abroad program or whatever. You never know how these things are interconnected and how the word travels. But it's just good to know that the Montana World Trade Center at the University of Montana campus 
does not only service um, those small and medium-sized businesses, but is also providing a great service of practical experience for students that are at the university. So that's Absolutely. We couldn't do it without them. Yes. Now, um, the Montana World Trade Center is a membership organization. Could you tell us a little more about the membership levels, Brigida, and the benefits that those uh, membership levels offer um, to organizations and businesses? Sure. Um, so we actually just restructured our membership and um, I would tell you, there is a great little section of our website, again, at mwtc.org, that has all our different levels, but we've got about a half a dozen different levels of membership. They range in price from 5,000 to 300, and we actually do have student membership uh, for $100 a year, but just in general, Udo, um, our, our memberships for SMEs um, are largely geared towards um, providing a certain level of technical assistance for free. Um, they have opportunities to have discounts on our training that we offer and they also have opportunities to um, kind of be the first parties on board with any of our um, outbound trade missions or inbound uh, trade missions that we may be hosting. So um, there is literally about, a, I don't know, a page and a half of, of uh, copy in relation to our membership. So I probably won't go through them all. But, you know, one that I wanted to talk about, because we actually just added it, um, that might be of interest to you and, and your, your uh, listeners. We just added a global trade entrepreneur membership. And this one is geared to Montana's immigrant and refugee entrepreneurs. Mm, so, okay. you, know, I, you and I both know what an incredible contribution uh, immigrants make to our, our business ecosystem, our cultural ecosystem, our ecosystem in general here sure, in Montana. Sure, absolutely. Um, and immigrants in general are highly entrepreneurial, and there actually have been a number of different studies on, on this. So, um, you know, we recognize that, you know, there are a lot of people here that are, are planting roots in Montana, and they are interested in starting a business, and they may just want to have an organization that can help them to become connected and really clearly values the fact that they have um, come from elsewhere in the world and they have chosen to be here. So um, yeah, sure. I, I encourage you to check that out. I'm, I'm excited about that and we'll see uh, what it means in terms of, of new business formation in, in our community. Great, thank you. Sure. Now, you mentioned earlier when we were starting out, Brigitte, that the Montana World Trade Center is part of a much larger network. Can you tell us a little more about the um, World Trade Center organization um, in general and about the satellite offices across the country? And I think you mentioned a number that was like three, over 300 of these satellite operations that exist. Yep. Uh, so it might be a little redundant, but you know, the there are over 300, and I think the number is 320 World Trade Centers in in 100 countries around the globe. Right. So um, actually, World Trade Centers are, I would say, far more prolific in places like India and China. Uh, and even in South America, maybe than they are here in the U.S. It's it's interesting to me. Um, but all of these organizations, um, I guess the way that I collaborate with most of my colleagues, two manners. Number one, in providing the direct technical assistance to businesses, if part of that assistance they're requesting is hey, please help us understand what the business climate looks like in country for our product or service. Who do I need to be looking at partnering with in country? Um, you know, questions like that. 
the World Trade Center network is very handy in being able to uh, call up if we're on the same time zone or arrange for a Zoom chat or, or email. Right. Um, and just get some, some, some feedback that is on the ground, very knowledgeable, with a business-centric kind of, of, of background to it. I, there are definitely some government services that we can and do call on when we kind of when we cast our wide net of getting information. But I really appreciate having that private sector perspective. Um, so that's helpful. And then the other thing that we do that I love, and we're starting to um, house more and more of this information, is the Montana World Trade Center puts on educational events relating to international business all the time. Um, not just the how-tos, but you know things like you know, the USMCA, uh, U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement, which is uh, basically NAFTA 2.0, is now right. in effect, right? So right. what does that mean for you and your business? Um, we've partnered with other World Trade Centers on offering uh, uh, educational opportunities in relation to that. Um, so I love the, there's just a, a really, a very rich tapestry of educational opportunities that's provided by, that are provided by um, World Trade Centers around the globe. And we love to be able to tap into that, to get that on the ground private sector perspective. I'm kind of advocating now for the organization to, um, to begin housing a library of resources like this. So well, nice. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, we'll see if that works out, but for now, <laughs> What I do is I call on my World Trade Center partners that I know are very active in this space and, sure. you know, see what they've got going on, see how we can partner on events. You know, I referenced that USMCA event, and the last one that we did was back in the spring. I think we're going to end up doing another one here pretty soon um, as businesses finally realize that, hey, we're we're going to need to be changing documents and, and uh, things right. are changing for real now. Um that one, we partnered with three other World Trade Centers. So we had representation on that call from not only the United States, but Canada and Mexico. And I just thought that that was great, not only in terms of the how informed the speakers were, but the perspective of businesses from all of those different places being all together in that one session, I, I thought was pretty valuable. Wonderful. No, and I would think that um, collaborating with uh, World Trade Centers in other countries must be a very interesting experience because you learn about local issues in other countries yep. and um, and how they may connect to a larger international challenge uh, that needs to be tackled. So I'm pretty sure it's very rewarding to be in close contact with those other satellite operations around the world. Yeah, you know, it in the, I just actually had a call, um, other World Trade Centers, uh, well, this pandemic hit Europe before it hit the United States. So right. I actually got some really interesting feedback from um, some of our colleagues in WTC Gibraltar, of all places, as they put together a really comprehensive um, kind of a package of information to help uh, entities running, you know, commercial real estate. How, how do you get ready for this? Anyway, some of those protocols uh, we had in place and began using uh, um, early on, so that was helpful. Great. Now, thanks for, for sharing that with us because it's oftentimes when um, you have a local organization or what seems to be a local organization, but upon closer inspection, one actually finds out that it is connected to some to some organization that is much larger, either nationally or even internationally, and that the local office may just be sort of the storefront that you see, but that there is a whole big international apparatus behind it that allows for all kinds of uh, interesting and educational uh, opportunities that one might not think looking at the, at the storefront, because yeah. it's not really clear that there is this, this larger apparatus behind it so thanks for for illuminating that a little bit oh yeah thanks for asking hey you know i think that that this something similar can be said for so many of us living in montana right i mean it's very interesting to hear the backstories of people that have 
come here from other places. Um, oh, absolutely. <laughs> we, we have a lot of very high-powered people that are here by choice, which is great for us as a state. Um, but but sometimes they're here kind of living and working under the radar. So we don't realize the depth of, of uh, expertise and, and um, maybe the good fortune that we have to have all these people here. Oh, uh, I absolutely. I mean, I I don't know how many people I have run into over the last 30 years that um, were extremely humble and uh, and what you just said, they really sort of downplayed the fact that they had this, uh, this great experience and training or, uh, you know, skill building professional um, experience somewhere else. And then they came to Montana or specifically to Missoula and and all all you know is that's John, right? And you don't and you don't know anything else about John, um, other than that he's probably a nice guy. Uh, but then you know that fits for many. But um, that only because you really have this deeper conversation, you find out that um, that there is this this huge story behind this person, and you kind of wonder how and why did they end up in Missoula, Montana? But you're absolutely right it adds to this rich fabric of people that we have here that I think make this community what it is. Absolutely. And it's pretty interesting that it's like a magnet and, and you know, these, these interesting characters come in and, uh, and enrich our community with their experience and their talent. You know, Udo, since you mentioned that, I think that that's another important thing about being in a university community right? Absolutely. We, Absolutely. Because we are here, because we have this university in our community, we do have the benefit of pulling in people from around the country and around the world that really probably wouldn't have been here otherwise. It, it's, it, you know, it brings in more culture in addition to that incredible depth of expertise. Um, you know, and, and I've said it many times before, Missoula is a community with maybe 80,000 people-ish in it. We punch well above our weight class. And we owe Absolutely. a lot of that to the fact that we've got this university um, here. Right. Yeah. And, and while we are straying a little bit from our original focus of this oh, podcast sorry, and yeah. the questions, but, but I, I absolutely agree with you. And the other thing that fascinates me is the fact that so many people when you then get to know them, say, oh, in my previous life, I was doing this and that. And you go, wow, you, you know, you were actually nice to talk to from just what I know. I didn't even know there was this interesting previous life that you had. Um, I specifically have an experience that um, I, I can share with you quickly. Um, I uh, met a person uh, and um, talked with them about uh, certain advice that I needed and, and, um, and, and come to find out that while this person is um, uh, an attorney now, was actually a very, um, an exquisite chef in a previous life and, and has cooked uh, uh, dinners for um, uh, Princess Diana and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, you know, Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones, and I don't know who else, but that's sort of uh, one of those examples of you just kind of go, what? And you live in Missoula? How does that all work out? But Well, you know, although I just cooked dinner for Mick Jagger yesterday. No, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> <laughs> I no, can't but get rid of that guy. <laughs> right, right. Well, he's actually, um, he, he has become a close friend uh, of of me and my family, and so we actually are uh, we're benefiting uh, from this uh, chef experience because every so often he cooks for us. So it all worked out, Brigitte, is what I'm saying. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, but but going back to um, to uh, our topic, and that is um, the Montana World Trade Center, and. I'm talking to Brigitta Miranda Freer, who is the executive director of the Montana World Trade Center. Um, now, you you have this this trade center, but the trade center, and you oversee that trade center. But 
You also have a relationship to and with Montech, um, which is this incubator uh, here in town that is also a part of the University of Montana. And what is, what is your connection to Montech? If you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, and while since your audience may know you as the hat guy, Udo, I'll tell you that uh, you're not the only person in Montana that wears many hats. Uh, <laughs> so many of us do. So right. yes, while I'm the executive director of Montana World Trade Center, uh, MWTC also oversees operations at Montech, which is the Montana Technology Enterprise Center. Right. Otherwise known as the tech incubator that's across the river from the University of Montana. It's right next to Missoula College River Campus. So, right. um, you know, and that role for me, I think, felt very comfortable because, uh, as I talked a little bit about um, earlier in, in our conversation, other World Trade Centers do have a real estate component to them. So in addition to providing the types of trade services, uh, trade capacity building services that I talked about, they also own and operate buildings and they house multiple different types of entities that um, may be doing business internationally or may be facilitating uh, international business like banks and attorneys and uh, you name it. So. Um, from my perspective, when I see the Montech operation, um, not only is it of interest to me to kind of roll up my sleeves and see what maybe we can do as an organization to assist some of the businesses that are there and taking root. And, and I think we'll talk a little bit about that in a, in a minute. I think you wanted to talk about the bioscience firms. Um, but it was also of interest to me because I think, well, you know, at some point I would love to actually have a, a physical incarnation of this one-stop shop concept. Right. And how does that fit into the larger um, kind of landscape of what may even become something like, a, you know, an innovation corridor sure. in that part of town? Sure. So I said, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in, in taking on that role. I'd like to learn a bit more about kind of uh, operations in that, that building, how we can maximize it to help crank out um, businesses that are creating jobs, making more capital investments in our community. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, that's kind of a, a long-term play for sure. me. What with the short-term benefit of having the opportunity to kind of roll up my sleeves and, and work with some other team members to uh, assist some of the firms that are in that building. Right. Now, just for, for those yeah. people that don't know much about Montech, Montech is an incubator, um, which basically means it gives startups an opportunity to, um, to root and to, to begin um, their operation and many of them have actually after they were incubated have been very successful outside of Montech is that correct we've got a couple right now that are really interesting and um, particularly in light of the pandemic I mean nothing underscores the need for a robust bioscience ecosystem in our state and in in the nation like a pandemic. So I'll right. tell you that um, uh, our building, the technology incubator is completely full right now. And we are trying to figure out how to expand so that we can have more space to um, assist not only those firms, but other firms that are coming out of the University of Montana or the Montana University system in general, or just wanting to commercialize uh, technology that would require um, you know, wet lab space. So right. the two for, well, not just two, but the two that are kind of probably good examples of uh, businesses that seem to be on this hockey stick uh, trajectory of growth are Inimmune. Now, Inimmune is a, a company that was started by Jay Evans and partners, and Jay Evans actually has a dual appointment. He runs the Center for Translational Medicine at the University of Montana. 
um, and is faculty at UM and um, also runs Inimmune. So Inimmune, boy, I would do them a tremendous disservice if I were trying to explain to you everything that they're into, but suffice to say, early stage research and development in relation to vaccines. So okay. um, not only are they working on um, uh, a vaccine that would help us uh, hopefully uh, create a pathway to the end of our opioid epidemic in this nation, but they are also working on really exciting things right now in relation to, um, you know, pandemic response, COVID-19 response. I mean, I think, uh, I think that the uh, NIH actually just uh, provided uh, a very large round of funding um, to the Center for Translational Medicine and Immune. Now, now, Udo, don't quote me, but I believe it was to the tune of about $30 million. Um, they they also, cool. yeah, they also just raised um, a similar amount of capital uh, from Two Bear Capital, which is our very first VC firm in state that with focus on uh, bioscience firms um, and AI. So. That is impressive. That is yeah, impressive. Yeah, and Inimmune is just, uh, they're growing like crazy. So um, we're working with them to try to figure out how to accommodate that growth uh, Wonderful. in your term and in the long term. Right. Now, isn't there another uh, company? I, I seem yeah. to remember Fire Diagnostics. Yep, yep. yep. Was just going to talk about Fire, F-Y-R. Oh, please and, do. Yeah, and so they are involved um, so Inimmune more on the vaccine side and then fire on the diagnostic side, right? In, in relation to COVID-19 anyway. So right. the, their technology uh, allows them to do testing in relation to COVID-19. And again, my apologies to everyone out there at fire. <laughs> I'm not getting very uh, technical on this, but both of these firms have seen large infusions of capital over the last couple of years, not just from the federal government through SBIR, so Small Business Innovative Research and STTR, um, which I believe is Small Business Technology Transfer uh, grant funding, but also from the private sector. So we right. love what we're seeing there. Both of these firms are expanding quite a bit. There are many others. There are just so many cool stories in the Montech building itself. That and is you know, neat. Yeah, and um, you know, what's What's interesting is that, you know, a lot of them actually need to begin thinking about their engagement in international and all these, you know, whether it's eventually um, selling products outside of the U.S. or partnering with uh, major pharma outside right. of the U.S. to help right. bring their their um, their products to fruition. So, yeah, it's been interesting. Very nice. Um, now, what impact has this pandemic had on the Montana World Trade Center, its services, and and uh, your programming? None, Udo. I don't know what everybody's complaining about. It's <laughs> Everything is just business as usual. <laughs> well... Yeah, so we are Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm sorry, I'm being so a wise guy there. But, um, well, you know, we, as every other business, as every other organization, are trying to navigate just um, decisions in an incredibly dynamic time. Um, there's always some element to that when you're leading an organization. But, this, sure. you know, pandemics just kick it up to a whole new level because- right. You know, we're all just trying to figure things out on the fly. So, I mean, practically speaking, well, I can tell you that the first part of 2020 was a little sad for me because I did things like uh, spent the first couple months unwinding events such as a trade mission to Ireland, uh, our 25th anniversary celebration, <laughs> um, a couple different trainings that we had lined up, participation at Select USA Investment Summit, which is our nation's foremost foreign direct investment summit in DC. Um, so I spent the first couple months of the year unwinding that. So all of that ha was not going to happen in the same form as it could before. So 
we, like everybody else, pivoted as quickly as we could to doing what we could virtually. Um, and I think some things work out better than others. I We're still sure. trying to figure out, you know, trade missions are, they are geared to bringing people together literally. Right. So right. The, the virtual format is very challenging. I did participate um, uh, in a virtual trade mission, Bio International, uh, in relation to some work that we're doing with the Bioscience Cluster Initiative, uh, so messaging about Montana's case uh, for bioscience for foreign direct investment. So we may touch on that. But I, I participated in this trade show uh, over the summer, and um, you know, I had a few meetings. But boy, it is just not the same. It, Right. So have you ever been to a, a trade show yourself? I mean, I imagine so. Yes. I mean, so you go there and you prepare in advance, uh, well in advance, hopefully, and you're right. scheduling some very targeted meetings. It's a convenient meeting place for, you know, players in your industry in general. So you can get a lot done in a short period of time with oh, scheduling. Absolutely. And then you have the benefit of those sort of serendipitous collisions that normally happen when you're 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 just there. Um, right. And boy, none of that happens. I have yet to figure out the whole serendipitous collision thing on the virtual um, right. platform. Have you? <laughs> no, I think. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think many things can be done virtually, and I think we all have proven in the last three quarters of a year that that we have pivoted and that we have figured out um, ways of continuing our work. And in some cases, it may even have um, increased or, or the, the services have gotten broader because of the element of technology being there. But some activities are really focused on human life interaction. Yeah. And if you don't have that, and no matter, you know, what kind of a platform you're using or what kind of a, an equipment you have to uh, tele or video conference, it's just not the same. And I would absolutely agree with you that some of these things are hard to pull off, especially when it is about sort of an organic uh, you know, connection with people and fostering a conversation that then leads to something else. And then somebody walking by says, hey, I just overheard that. Um, that's interesting. And this has been my experience. As you would with a real sort of life interaction with people, when you do that on a Zoom call, I think a lot of this is not serendipitous. Like you said, it's not because right. it can't be. And And I think that's a big hurdle that we're probably all struggling with. And I don't know if there is an answer and if we will find one uh, during, um, you know, the pandemic, but it, uh, I, I, I totally agree with you. A lot of these experiences, I would, I would uh, agree. I have, I have gone through the same. Well, you know, I guess we can also look at it in the other way in that um, I say this, Kind of flippantly but we're all the same size on zoom right, right. <laughs> so right. i i guess if we look at it in that manner it's not like montana or we from montana or our organizations are at an incredible disadvantage because no one is traveling in person right now right, right. so right. the work that we're trying to do or when we're talking for example about making the case for foreign direct investment in montana um you know some of those relationships may well just be started virtually at this point, knowing that, um, again, no one else, regardless of the size of their budget, is really undertaking to travel right now. We, we really can't. We're still right. on travel restrictions. So, so there's that. Um, you know, I've got an event coming up in early December. I think December 3rd is what we've got targeted and it's the Montana Israel Virtual Trade Forum. So we're gonna see how that goes. We are partnering on that one with um, the Israeli um, Consul General and his innovation team, as well as the Federation of Inter uh, Israeli Chambers of Commerce on the other end. So we're, this is kind of audacious, so we're, we're thinking about a, um, 
you know, we'll have an opening session then we're, we're going to have, I think two or three breakouts right. and then come back with a call to action um, that will include us uh, on the Montana side. We at the Montana World Trade Center on the Montana side and the Israeli Chambers of Commerce on the other side facilitating uh, follow-up uh, B2B uh, meetings. So I'll let you know how it goes. The whole event's going to be 90 minutes and um, I'm, I think the content's exciting and I know that the speakers are going to be very exciting and I just hope that the technology <laughs> helps us to convey those things rather than inhibits us. We'll see. Right. But what a beautiful segue, um, Brigida, because my one of my uh, few questions left um, uh, are, uh, what is your upcoming programming for okay. November and December? So that was a, uh, a perfect segue into that. Is there anything else that programming wise you would like us to know that is uh, either happening this next month or before the end of the year? Yeah. Um, so a couple other things, and unfortunately I can't be firm on the dates for them, but the other one that's coming up is, uh, something that we're working on with, uh, the Montana Bioscience Cluster Initiative, which we're a partner for the Montana Bioscience Cluster Initiative. We didn't really talk about that and it's kind of beyond the scope of this, but um, we're working with uh, JETRO, so the Japanese External Trade Organization, to actually do a session, a virtual session um, geared towards helping Montana bioscience firms to expand into international markets, vis-a-vis -vis partnerships, and looking at um, how Jetro may be able to facilitate that. So more to come on that. I mean, we'll have it posted on our website when we get firm on a, on a date. We're also trying to, um, before the end of the year, we have been working with the Bureau of Business and Economic Research for the last couple of months to, um, do our first ever but annual international trade and investment survey for Montana. So wow. yeah, it's been a big undertaking um, and has really stretched the limitations I have on my ability to put together uh, lists and make sure everything's where it needs to be. And uh, sure. the logistics of it are surprisingly challenging. But what we're endeavoring to do with this is um, get a better sense of um, just more granular detail from Montana's exporters, Montana's importers, and firms in Montana that have foreign direct investment. So um, kind of three buckets there. We just, I don't know, if, I can't remember if you and I have talked about this or not, but it's when you look at Montana's trade statistics in general, they don't really tell the whole story of Montana. And you got to be careful because sometimes they don't tell an entirely true story of Montana either. Correct. Correct. Um, it's, it's strange, but depending on how you search, um, you know, for the last few years, you would find that uh, tobacco and cigarette products are number one export from Montana. Uh, a number one Montana export product, which is crazy because Montana sure isn't a tobacco growing state. So, you know, you really have to peel back the layer of the onions to understand what was happening there and why that was happening. And um, has to do with uh, Mexican uh, cigarette manufacturing companies staging some product in Montana before then exporting it to Canada. Um, and you, we'll talk about that another time, but it, it just kind of one of those stories that brings to light the fact that, okay, we're not telling our entire story or maybe we're not even telling it correctly. If we're just offering up the trade stats that are easily pulled like from us census information. So right. we wanted to drill down a little bit further, understand better where our um, companies that are engaged in export are exporting to, you know, and this is across industries. Um, if, you know, if they're importing and they have a trading relationship there, uh, what country that is with, we want to under, understand a little bit more about, you know, how do they, how many people do they employ? Um, you know, what kinds of wages are they paying? Because generally speaking, firms uh, that are exporting are actually paying their employees a little bit better than non-exporting firms. And I think that stat is available on export.gov. 
Um, so we just wanted to understand a little bit better about where in the world they're sending their product or their service, what's working well, do they see opportunities for uh, growth, uh, in, you know, not only for their firm, but potentially for other Montana firms. If they have foreign direct investment, where has that come from? Um, and then also we asked them a little bit about, you know, the impact of trade policy, um, you know, right. over the, the course of, of the current administration. And again, we're going to do this every year. Um, so it's a audacious undertaking. <laughs> it's the first time that we're anyone is trying to do this. Sure. Uh, but we think that's going to be wrapped up, Udo, by um, the end of November, we hope. Uh, the Bureau of Business and Economic Research is helping us to analyze that data. And then we hope to share information broadly about that. Um, nice. You know, yeah, I mean, Montana is engaged in the international trade ecosystem, whether we, we know it or not. Right, right. <laughs> now, that brings me to my last question, Brigitte. And um, that is, what are your or the Montana World Trade Center's goals for the next five years? Yeah, well, five-year planning is uh, particularly challenging uh, with a pandemic, but, uh, right. but that said, I mean, I, you know, I keep going back to my, my business model canvas and, um, you know, we will continue to be the institutional knowledge of Montana's international trade portfolio. And, uh, you know, developing more information that will will help to to describe that to all those who would care to understand. And then, you know, we'll continue delivering services and spearheading initiatives that impact Montana's international trade in a positive fashion. Um, we'll focus quite a bit on implementation of our international trade and investment strategy over the next couple of years. Um, and hoping to maximize results there. We'll continue work um, in partnership with the Montana Bioscience Cluster Initiative to help that particular industry uh, grow in our state and our role there will be messaging to the world about Montana's uh, expertise, uh, infrastructure, and uh, overall talent pool available to that um, to that industry. Um, so, you know, and then of course we'll continue on with our everyday activities, the one-on-one -on -one technical assistance that's customized for businesses, the trade education right. on everything from the how-to to, hey, how do you build your, your regulated export strategy? You know, sure, it, it's not sexy, but it's important. Right. <laughs> you know, and it, it makes a difference. Great. Well, Thank you, Brigida. This was most informative, and I am always amazed how fast an hour goes by when you have an interesting person to talk to and you learn about an interesting program and services that are offered. Um, so I thank you for your time and uh, wish you all the best uh, in these difficult times. But uh, thanks for sharing uh, the November and December sort of activities that you have, and of course, for more information, and you laced it throughout the interview, people can go to your website, correct? Yep, mwtc.org. Wonderful. Brigitta, all the best to you. Thanks for your time today, and take care. Thanks so much, Udo. Take care. You're welcome. My international voice for this November podcast episode was Brigitta Miranda Freer, the executive director of the Montana World Trade Center and the director of operations for the Montana Technology Enterprise Center, or short, Montech. Thank you for listening. Those of you who are regularly tuning in to International Voices know being of German descent, I usually end with a German farewell. Dankeschön fürs Zuhören. International Voices is brought to you by Global and Cultural Affairs of Arts Missoula and The Trail, 1033. This and previous International Voices podcasts can be found at artsmissoula.org and thetrail1033.com. If your interests are in global and intercultural education, programming, 
cultural and global competence and international affairs, we hope you join us in December for the last episode of 2020.